Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ram fans, this is Rams Up, your favorite L.A. Rams podcast. We are proud members of the Fans First Sports Network. That's fansfirstsports.com. You can also follow us on YouTube. Our channel is at L.A. Rams Up. I'm your host, Mark. You'll hear from my co-host, Tom, on occasion as well. Hey, we're not Rams insiders. We're just longtime fans who love talking about our Los Angeles Rams. Let's get to it. Hey everybody, Mark from Rams up here with another Rams roundtable with Ian Martinez and Paul Walia. What's going on, Paul? Oh, fantastic. I'm still smarting from that loss, but um, um, we'll sort it out. Yeah, that was one of those games that you just sitting there watching and thinking, how could we, how could we even be behind at any point in this game? It was just crazy. Uh, what's going on with you, Ian? Now you were at the game, huh? Yeah, man. Shout out to Ice Cube and Son performing at halftime. That was that was making me feel good leading into the second half before things went to hell. <laughs> so it was, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go into that and and what I saw from the Eagle Eye and obviously what I saw from all twenty two. You know, the coaches film and it's uh, so a lot of things that are good and there's plenty that need serious work and we'll dive into that for sure well kick it off ian what what's the positives you wanted to talk about first yeah well i think the consistency of running the damn football everyone that's been tuning in knows that that's something that has been driving me crazy is how much we weren't running it and we did run it a ton more on late notice with some guys off the street, right? Roy Freeman, a practice squad guy, ran well. Daryl Henderson, who surprisingly was not on the team at all for other than a couple weeks in Jacksonville last season. It's been like a full calendar year since he's been on a squad almost. And for him to come in, be the starter over Zach, over Royce, over Miles Gaskin, I wasn't shocked, but it was good to see them both pass protect well and run well on top of us running a ton more. What else was positive? I thought Russ East and Jordan Fuller had a nice game. I thought Michael Hoyt, when we stopped asking him to drop into coverage every other play, he played really well. I thought he defended the run and got to the quarterback really well. And I thought uh, Rob Havenstein individually 
played really well. I thought that he locked down TJ Watt to his best of his ability, and it was good enough to win the game. And that was a a pleasant surprise. And those are my, obviously, player shout-outs. But I think those guys stood out in a great, great positive light on film. And there's other guys that we'll get into the negatives later (laughs) that did not shine bright on this game. But those are the guys that I thought performed well. And I was happy to see us run the ball more. But I'll get into the nuances of what I think needs to change with the run game and what needs to expand. What do you got, Paul, on the positive side? On the positive side, well, yeah, once again, the running game—the running game was just—I mean, it was there. I mean, they were hammering uh, Pittsburgh on the ground. Um, Royce, Fre- Royce Freeman, in particular, Royce Freeman was uh, at one point was averaging six and a half yards a carry, so uh, he didn't get as many carries as Hendo, but. Um, you know, I I love the way the offense looked when Royce Freeman was in there. He also did a great job in um, pass protection. So, um, so I think that was a definite positive. So the run game is definitely there. I I also think I think the Rams wide receivers. I mean, what well, this wasn't a stellar game by any means, but they remain. Um, I mean, they're open. They're they're doing their job. They're doing what that needs to be done. So I think the wide receivers played a great game. I think the O line was fantastic again. Um, you know they weren't consistent, but I think that was more a function of the play calling as opposed to anything that they were doing. The Havenstein monster absolutely was there. Um, Dotson played well. Uh, Coleman had an early penalty, but he played well. Mm-hmm. Um, and across the line, the line played really, really well. You know, having said that, I'm sure everybody's asking that how they lose. I mean, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, so on defense, uh, yeast had a great game. He really did. And shout out to the Rams strength and conditioning. Cause I had commented yes. to Mark, if you look, I mean, Rush East was an example. I mean, he, when we looked at him when he was first drafted, he looks very, very different. So I mean, oh yeah, he, he was a small guy. <laughs> it looked like yeah. he's not. He's not the only one. A lot of the players look like they have been living in the weight room. So that's actually a really good thing. And, and so, shout out to Reggie Scott and his crew of nutrition and obviously that whole program. Uh, hey man, they've done miracles. We've seen guys come back from major yeah. things. Whitworth, we thought he was done in that 2020 season. We thought he was done in 21 for knee injuries. Acres with the Achilles. Yeah. A lot of guys, man, and. uh Hey, I hope Kronk is paying them nice, and I hope he continues to pay them nice because I agree, man. Yeah, and you don't see too many times where, like, the Ram players are nicked up. They're always out there, right? And um, barring a major injury, they're on the field. So kudos to them. So, um, you know, but overall, I thought I thought even the Rams – I mean, there were certain points, those two lapses in the running defense. Other than that, the Rams defense – Played a fairly decent game, but um, yeah, there's just a lot to talk about from a situational standpoint. Where the oh, Rams yeah. really, they really blew this game from a situational and a game management standpoint. Not to jump ahead, but you know, I said that last week. I said this game is going to come down to game management, and it it just and that's what it came back to. And shout out to Evans, who gets consistently every week. The Ram, I mean, when you shout out a punter, and there's a reason I'm shouting out a punter because. Yeah. You know, this was a game where I think a lot of, especially that long field goal, that was a chance where they could have really pinned Pittsburgh back in their own end. Yeah. And I think that was just silly to go for that 51-yarder. You know, I think we all, the whole stadium knew that that wasn't going to go. Maher was really struggling. And um, that would have been a great opportunity to pin him back in their own end. But he's been very consistent. He's done a great job. I know. Shoot. I mean, when I was thinking in that game, why not set him up and kick some field goals to see how different that would be? I was thinking that, man. And well, obviously, that's that was a, a pipe dream in the game. That wasn't never going to happen. But I was thinking like, well, I'm sure I'm sure he's kicked some field goals sometime in his life and made some 40 plus. <laughs> so, well, his, shout out to the rookie. He's, he's kicking well, though. Yeah, we, if you watch Evans on his kickoffs, it looks like he's not even making an effort. He just takes like a, a little swing of his leg, and it's ten yards out of the back of the end zone. So you know he's yeah. got the leg. And he's a beefier punter. He's not some little pipsqueak like sometimes punters get uh, categorized as, right? I mean, he's got a little 
it's got a little it's got a little meat on the bone man so he's uh he's got some leg power it's it's obvious so i hope he continues to play well i agree any more positives or are you ready to roll on to the negatives already well i will say i will say the positives are we were able to not let the crappiness let this be a landslide what i mean by that is yes we lost yes there was a lot of bad moments and we'll get to those but a lot of teams fold when bad things happen and it just it snowballs and that's how you get your ass kicked in a blowout luckily the team continued to fight we all hate the loss but that's something positive to take from it is that when shit was going bad we didn't we didn't let it affect them other than maybe maher that probably was the only guy that <laughs> just kept snowballing for but overall as a team other than that horrible horrible kenny pickett sneak that should have been a turnover and we should have gotten the ball back we kept it and we took our shots and we should have had a chance to possibly tie that game at the end and that's at least good to see that we didn't let the the bad moment snowball into a blowout loss losing by double digits or more so uh, yeah the rams seem to be the only defense that uh can defend the brotherly shove too right because they try that yeah, like uh, consecutive weeks. And then it just feels like everyone's like everyone's trying quarterback sneaks on us, man. From from yeah. <laughs> from Brock Purdy's uh, from week two onward, everyone's trying to sneak on us, and we've we've gotten better, most definitely at at stopping it. And thank goodness, because that was something I was worried about when you know Purdy kept getting some fourth down conversions in that week two game. I was like, oh man, but we've gotten better, and should have gotten the ball back. Damn it! Come on, NFL refs, we gotta do better, man. So moving on to the negatives then, uh, you want to kick it off, Paul? I have a feeling you have a few. <laughs> oh boy, man. Holy yeah. cow. You know, the, the, you know, I mean, it's sort of like a, a segue, but you know, we easily could be for the season, you know, we're four and three, but I think two of those games really should have been W's, but um, yeah. this season could be very, very different for the Rams for a lot of different reasons, but yeah. Um, you know, just just the negative. So game management, game management, game management along the way. I, I just want to just take a look at a couple of things really quickly, and I'll just say them out. So taking out of the equation, the Rams uh, 23-0 second half, you know, just spanking of Seattle. Take a look at these numbers for a second. Against the Eagles, right, particularly the fourth quarter, uh, outscored 6-0. They got blanked against the Eagles. Bad. Against the Colts, fourth quarter, 15-0, blank, Bad. right? And then 23-3 in the second half. Against the Niners, uh, 13-6 in the second half, right, outscored. Against Pittsburgh, 14-0 in the fourth quarter. Cincy, 7-3 in the fourth quarter. So you see a trend that in the fourth quarter – uh, and in the second half in general, the Rams, uh, you know, uh, getting outscored. So 21-8 in this case for the second half for the pit, for the pit game. So you know, I think that says a lot in terms of not making second half adjustments. It seems like the other team, right, making the adjustments, being able to – and. You know, it's one thing to say, oh, you know, we need to do a better, we need to do a better job of this. You need to do a better job of this. But, you know, I'm looking at one, two, three, four, five, just looking and look at six games really quick, not even looking at the Arizona game, which was a W, but six games. The numbers don't lie. It's the second half. You know, if you want to have a high volume passing offense, the bottom line is if you want to have a high volume passing offense that's efficient, you have to convert on third down. Once again, the Rams for the season are under 50% in terms of third down. That cannot happen if you want to have a high-volume passing offense. It just doesn't work. doesn't make sense. Right? doesn't make sense. And especially watching that game, and, you know, I'm looking at the text message. I said, you know, and I sent the message to you and Ian that this game can be easily won on the ground. They were taking huge chunks of ground on the ground huge 
right? And especially Royce Freeman. I, I thought Freeman, I thought he was going to get 30 carries that game because they were not even able to stop him at the line of scrimmage. He was like walking into the secondary, just hammering people. So um, the Rolls Royce is there. Um, that was a great thing to see that the running game was still there. But, I mean, it's just puzzling to me just the bottom line is win the game and the balance that Sean McVay can have for this offense by running the ball and the way that for Stafford, the way the offense should be really sort of, uh, if you want to say, uh, facilitated. Just It just doesn't make sense to me what we're watching. I think the focus really should be to get to th- this running game to, to average about 140, 150 yards a game easy and really just focus on Matthew Stafford's QB rating. That's the way I would look at it, right? That if his QB rating is like 95 plus, which is like nothing for him, if you take a look at it, right? When he is in that realm where he's just, uh, completing those passes, throwing the passes downfield, um, converting third downs. It's a very different story. And that really should be the focus for McVay. Is that I'm going to look at two stats after every game. Number of rushing attempts slash rushing yards and QB rating. And that will decide the game. You don't even have to look at anything else because that's what makes this sure. uh, Rams offense go. The The most telling situation is the Rams continue to play down to the level of their competition. They come into a game, you know, instead so, of so bad. Right. And you saw it at the press conference, like literally Sean McVay said the same exact thing we've been saying for the last three weeks. What was the what was the first thing he said? Not being able to create separation between the other teams, letting teams hang around. Yeah. That's a direct quote. He said, We were unable to create separation. Then he mentioned the indie game, and I think he mentioned another game. And but it's been every game. They have not been the only game where they were able to create separation against Arizona in the second half. Every other game, they have let the other team hang around. And Mike Tomlin, that's exactly what he wanted. That's how Tomlin coaches. It's like a prize fight. He's like, we will body blow, body blow, body blow until you make a mistake, and then we will beat you in the end. That's how they beat Baltimore. That's how they beat the Rams. They beat Baltimore on that last drive. They beat the Rams in the latter part of the second half the Rams could have pulled away very very easily but just sloppy sloppy football look at the number of penalties right look at that turnover even McVay said I should not have called that to start off the half yeah we all said that we all said that you're backed up dude it's starting an empty I mean I'm going to get into the offense after after um, I gather my thoughts completely on it but we can't start an empty to start the first half. I mean, the second half. What are we doing, man? And they had Watt. Watt was quiet. Watt was quiet thus far, right? When you take a and look dude, at Hob- that. Rob Havenstein shut his ass down. And he shut his ass down the whole day. He got some pressures. But, like, he had no yeah. immediate direct impact other than that one play. And for everyone out there, they were running a cover two zone. And basically, they they were in their base 3-4 uh, defense. Three defensive linemen, the four linebackers, two traditional on the inside, two on the edge rushers, Ohio Smith and Watt. They had Watt flexed out covering the flats. And for anyone out there real quick, cover two is basically too high. There's two people that are responsible for the deep and everybody else is underneath that. Long story short. Watt was covering the short area to the left side of his field. And Cup was running a choice route like he does 90% of the time. Or basically, he decided to say, okay, I'm either going to run a quick slant or I'm going to reverse pivot and run a quick out. He decided to run that quick out. Matthew's like, oh, it's open. But he just didn't see TJ Watt just chilling there. That's really all that happened. There's no other explanation other than Matthew just didn't see him. And we paid for it big time. And Mark had sent a text to me about the the Pittsburgh defense, particularly the D-backs. And Ian, you were on that text, and that, that's exactly what I said, uh, was that they can't cover the Rams on those crossing routes nope. or those ISO choice routes, right? And yep. especially Peterson. Peterson was getting smoked all game long. Yeah. All game long, right? And everything, they were there. They were there. It was just the, the, the Rams did not execute. And it's a puzzling scenario. 
And I just happened to be watching uh, the interview with uh, Philly center Kelsey. And he said something that I said, I wish I could have them play this on a uh, SoFi uh, PA system during the game. He <laughs> said when the Philadelphia Eagles offense is struggling, they find their rhythm through their running game. Uh, yeah. Shocker. I mean, I, do I have to say any more Ram Nation? Kelsey, he said the, the Philadelphia offense finds its rhythm through the running game. So, you know, when things are not going well, you have to go back to your ground game, get back into a rhythm, and then there you go. Nobody's saying don't throw the ball, McVay. You don't, you don't have to panic, dude. But you have to be able to get let your quarterback get back into a rhythm, let your offense get back into a rhythm. Uh, the number of times they got turned away on third down, again, and take nothing away with that Pittsburgh defense, but, I mean, do we want to read off the Ram, uh, the uh, Pittsburgh cornerbacks? Come on, against those Ram wide receivers, that should have been a mismatch. And the inability to exploit that mismatch, in addition to not utilize the running game to its fullest, where they had a huge advantage, not just in size, but just in production. That's what cost the Rams the game. The special teams, we knew that, right, Mark? We said that kicking game is going to cost at least two games. Yeah, you we said that it. in the beginning of the season, right? They cut it down to the bare bones. And um, going into the season, not having a reliable kicker, nothing against Maher. But, you know, it was just a rough game. And when he had missed that extra point and he had missed that sort of field goal, to put him back out there at, at 51 was, I mean, that's just a bad coaching call. This is a bad coaching call a couple of times. Yeah, I'm glad you, know? you guys agree with me because uh, on yesterday's or the the recap pod, that that first play of the second half was just so destructive. And I thought the same <laughs> yeah, thing. Why do yeah, we yeah. not have a running back back there? T.J. Watt drops into coverage. And, uh, yeah, is a is a bad play call and a really uh, just a big mistake by Matthew Stafford to yeah. throw that ball. And, and, and to this point about the play calling, now that we're on this topic fully, I'm like I said earlier, I'm happy that we're running the football more, but teams are adjusting really, really well to the schematics of what we're doing overall. Now they are our passing concepts are getting figured out after they play us for two quarters a half. And our run game is getting figured out now because you know why, guys? We're running the same 20, 25 plays, just a slightly different variation over and over and over again. And it's just unacceptable for Coach McVay to be this, you know, quote unquote genius, this boy genius and this offensive mind. He's He's got to diversify this offense. And what I mean is, Look, it, we ran duo a gazillion times, and it worked in the first half a gazillion times. And that's a run play for anybody out there. It's basically everyone man blocks and double teams, and you leave the outside edge defender, TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, unblocked, and you block him with a fullback. But in our offense, a fullback is either the tight end or the receiver, and that's who blocks him. And we ran that play over and over, and it worked most of the time. But in the second half, they started to squeeze down, have better gap discipline, and it stopped working. So what do you do then? Hey, what's another run play we do? Okay, then we run a little bit of isolation. Isolation out there is basically you block everybody except the inside linebacker and the fullback, our tight end or receiver, will block him one-on-one. -on -one. Those are the only two run plays we ran all day. We ran, I take that back, we ran one other outside lead pitch, and we ran one fullback counter. That's it. Every other play was ISO or duo. And that's just unacceptable for a professional offense to only have four different type of run plays in that is being called. There are so many complex, complicated for the defense run plays to defend. And you see in youth football kids running it. And it's just unacceptable for us to be this basic in the run game. The passing game, it's either crossing routes short eating media and deep or it's either i'm blanking right now the dagger concept where basically you're clearing yeah. out and you're setting somebody up to go in a deep in which we connect on a good amount or it's either the choice concept which we do with cup all the time as well and with puka uh, on the other side and puka as well and it's 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 the same we can go on a swiss another concept it's just there's we're just running 
the same 20 plays, just slightly different formation and a slightly different variation. And it's just not good enough because teams are figuring it out at halftime and they're saying, okay, hey guys, just because they're lined up in this, they're only going to run a, a select few plays out of this. And another issue on top of all this is that Coach McVay every so often says this. He's like, our goal is to marry the pass and the run to blend as one. And there is no, no evidence of that. If you look back at the game, everybody, and all our successful run plays, we motion Higby a quick, like he's lined up in line, but slightly back so he can motion. He's doing a quick jet motion to one side and then a slow motion back to the other to be that lead fullback on those duo or isolation plays. There was zero play action passes out of that look. Zero. There's no marriage. That's a full on divorce. <laughs> there's there's no marriage you have to have some type of pass off that same look every time he motioned like that it was 100 percent a run play and you're just feeding the defense the info they need oh they're not going to play action out of this they never do the only play action we do is basically under center a quick little outside zone fake and then you know then we have our boots and we have our deep drop back stuff there was zero passing out of that run look zero and i it's yeah, just unacceptable, think, man. It's really, really unacceptable from a professional offense to be this basic. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think you and I agree on this on this one thing is that I think I it's almost like in baseball, like when you know a pitcher's tendencies, it's very sim similar is that they the league now is very used to Sean McVay's. He has certain tendencies. I think we all know that. Yeah. We're like, definitely this is a passing play. They ran the ball twice, right, Mark? They ran the ball twice. The odds of this being another running play is virtually nil. Yeah, right? uh, my my son noticed a tendency in years past, maybe not so much uh, this year, where he would call it. McVeigh would call a timeout, and almost ninety oh. percent of the oh, time it'd be thing. the wide the, 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 the timeout. Yeah, the screen. Well, uh, the play after the timeout would be invariably be some type of screen play to a tight yeah, end you know, wide receiver. I think I speak for all of Ram Nation. So, uh, Coach McVeigh, we don't, it's not college football. We don't need you to run on the field and high five every player after a touchdown. Perhaps <laughs> stay in your spot and talk to the people upstairs and have your next four or five plays, you know, talk to them, know what your next four or five plays are so you don't have to keep burning these timeouts. It's killing I, us. I, I just, for the life of me, it's so Mike Martz esque. The way they burn timeouts, you know, they'll burn timeouts after like a running play where everybody's at the line of scrimmage yeah. already and you still burn a timeout. I cannot figure it out. But I mean, real quick to the to this point about offense and we'll get to the timeout thing because that's that hurt us. But guys, just just let's be objective here and let's just think, what do you not see in this innovative, quote unquote, offense that everybody brags about? Right. There are no longer any jet sweeps. There are no more eye formation stuff with Skoranek. There's barely any screens to the tight end or running back. There's barely any formation variety anymore. It's all the same three, four, five formations. 2-2 two -two is not getting a chance on to use a speed other than deep routes. I mean, it's just, it's incredible how much could be set up off of what we're doing right now and we just don't utilize it think about all the jet motions you see when's the last time you've seen anybody take a hand off one of those anybody it's been probably skoronic week two was the last one i can remember i mean it's just it's just it's incredibly frustrating and yes i did say let's run the ball more and i'm glad but not the same two plays <laughs> you know <laughs> Like a lot it, them. they still was, haven't been able to get their screen game going. How many weeks incredible. has it been? It's incredible. It's incredible how one screen. In, yeah, they still have got, not been able to get the screen game going. Which it's just, I mean, the oh way the teams God. are coming at them and pressuring the passer, you know, that screen game has to get rolling. There's it's no incredible. way to take the pressure off your offensive line. No easier way to do that, I should say. That by doing it through the screen game checkdowns and things of that nature, they still have you know. And here's a great here's a great evidence of what we've been talking about against Arizona, right? Think about it this way. So look at look at that. So against Arizona, they got Coop going, 
he gets 148, seven catches, and Puka, right, gets four, goes four for 26. Yeah. Then you get the Steeler game. You get Puka going, and Coop goes two for 29. Right? Yeah, unacceptable. So, it's e- yeah, it's easy to say you got two great wide receivers, but you're not able to get them the ball. You're not able to exploit both of these. That's on you. That has to be. I mean, I, uh, great job to Tomlin and the uh, Steelers for that win. But, I mean, that's got to fall squarely on the Rams' coaches in terms of this is the second game against two defenses that you can definitely exploit. One, you didn't exploit the ground game like you did, like you should have, which in Arizona we all saw what happened, right? But – you didn't do it in the second half. It cost you the game. Think about if we ran the ball in the second half. There's not enough time to give. First of all, you gave a Canada offense 14 points in the second in the fourth quarter when the entire yeah, league, so they were, even their own team, was ripping Canada. I mean, I mean, you just can't. And but one thing I will say: shout out to Jalen Warren. They found a gem in that kid. That kid, uh, that running back. Mm-hmm. I mean. He runs hard, but his pass blocking, he is just stoning people the way he picks up blitzers. So uh, shout out to the Steelers and shout out to the Pitt Panthers guy. I think he went, I think he played running back at Pitt, but that kid looked mm, good. Nice he him. was rocking people, and he was running over uh, uh, Ram players. So, but listen, there's your evidence right there. The if Coop goes big. Puka silent. If Puka goes big, Coop is silent. That can't happen. And, That's the whole guys. idea of having two great wide receivers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Guys, this is a disturbing stat. Since Cup and Puka have been playing together these fast, you know, couple weeks and, and, and so forth, we've averaged 19 points per game. That is the exact same number we averaged last season when Cup and Stafford were both done for the year. So this offense production-wise with points is the exact same as the quote-unquote disaster season when we had no one to throw to and we had no one to throw. It's unacceptable. It is incredibly unacceptable. McVay's got to be better. There's just no excuse. We're running, uh, like Todd Gurley called out uh, the Jeff Fisher era, we're running a high school offense. We, we, just, we just are now because you know why? Everyone in the league runs a variation of this West Coast scheme now. Think about it. McVay and the Rams. Shanahan and the Niners. LaFleur and the Packers, Thomas Brown now calling plays for the Panthers, Taylor and the Bengals, who wants my blanket on, O'Connell and the Vikings. I mean, we can, keep, we can go on and on and on. Everyone runs this offense. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, teams and coaches have their tendencies and their uh, – oh, McDaniels and the Dolphins. And we, we can go on and on. My point is everyone has their own tendencies and their own spin on it. But everyone plays this offense to a degree. It's the same base. The roots of it are all the same. It's just obviously your players and everything changes that to a degree. But this isn't something new like 27-18 when people were getting fried and we were the number one offense for a couple years. It ain't like that anymore. And to that Dolphins point, think and – Ch- and the 49ers, I know nobody wants to talk about this, but we are. Think about how you can never guess the play they're going to run next. Think about all the different types of plays that they run. You're like, wow, look at that. Wow, look at that. Wow, that was an interesting way to run the football. Oh, that was an interesting way to play action. Think about it, how cool it looks. And it's not about style points, but it's just about how you keep the defense on their heels guessing. And it's just incredible how basic we are. When McVay, you coached with all these guys. What happened to you? It's just it's frustrating, and it pisses me off being an offensive yeah, guy. Yeah, I, I- my son and I were watching the 49er game and we made we commented on that. It's like, oh, that's a pretty cool play. Well, we should try that. 
a handoff to Kittle, you know. Um, hey, breaking news here for you from Adam Schefter. Uh, uh, LA Rams are planning to sign former Colts kicker Lucas Havris, Havrasek right. off the Browns practice squad. So that may be a yeah, move in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. Very yeah. good. So we have okay. uh yeah. do we have two do we have two kickers now that that we're gonna figure out and see? Is that what's uh <laughs> my, my, anything above yeah? Well I he, I think I think they're gonna cut Mar loose. Yeah, well have Havr- has to go on the active roster. So I would think uh I, I would think yeah Mara would be waived would be my expectation, but this article does not state that. But, From my uh, understanding, I think Brett Brett is done, is he not? I, I've, excuse me if I'm wrong on that, but um, yeah, I think he's done. I think he's done as well. Yeah, I think he's been released, cut. Oh, yeah, sorry, uh, but been you know, released. hey, I, didn't I mean, you can't. Be done. Yes, I want to say that's that was official. I know it was word on the street, like, oh, that's happening. You know, I mean, obviously the fan base is like, get him out of here, but I think that's done. So, I mean, hey, it's let's talk about that while we're in the negatives of of this deep sad loss <laughs> it's you just can't miss those kicks and the in kicker they signed like has i don't think, think he's kicked since last year right has he kicked since last yeah. year I don't, I, mean, I don't think so <laughs> i don't I don't even know man and it, it's just we're just in those in this situation yet again where the slowman era right and we were just going through kickers and it was just like uh damn we're we're gonna lose games a lot of games because of this until we stumbled upon Matt Gay. Hopefully we stumble upon somebody else. But, you know, the Rams just don't value right, that right. position at all. And everyone I know will talk about, why didn't you re-sign Matt? We were not going to re-sign Matt to the highest, you know, paid kicker in the league contract. That was not happening. Most teams wouldn't have done that. And if it was a fair number, I think it was going to be a real possibility. But once I heard that he got that offer really early in free agency from the Colts and Look at man, that's generational wealth for a kicker. Like you can't not take that, you know, if you're Matt. So everyone out there yeah. complaining, like, why didn't the Rams, excuse me, try and do all this? It, we were not going to pay Matt all that money to kick. It's, it's just keep it real. We know that. You know that. Come on, everybody listening. You know that as well. And it's just the unfortunate luck of this timeline we live in, where Matt got offered the the Brinks truck. So until until we stumble upon another Matt. This is just going to be an issue because, guys, we're in the middle of the season, practically. There's there's not anybody just lying around who can just kick 50-yarders in their sleep like Matt. We're, we're going to be in this hold-our-breath situation for a while until somebody, hopefully one of these guys that we signed, prove it like Matt did when he was a proven guy with us a couple years back. So well, at least we we're didn't just going to have to live in this pick. reality. <laughs> at, least we, at least we didn't spend a third-round pick, yeah. pick on a kicker that is struggling. That's the good, that's Ram, the bright side. Ram, I guess. Nation, Ram Nation, two things. Mark, Mark, and I are wearing our Tony Horn jerseys every game, trying to get uh, somebody to return yeah. a kick for positive yardage. No Jeez. offense, Trammel, but come on, can we get somebody who can return a kick for some positive yardage? Oh no, kidding. And Ram Nation, um, you know, take it easy. I know the Jeff Fisher reference by Ian has traumatized a lot of people. But Jeff Fisher is not coming back, so I think we're safe. He is not. But. And guys, just just take just be objective. The offense is basic. It is. Yeah. We see it all, Rams Twitter, Rams Instagram, Rams Facebook, or X, whatever you want to call it. Sorry, Elon. Whatever. Everyone can call out the plays pretty much now. It's if fans could do it. What do you think pro- professional defensive players and coaching staffs are doing? It's just unacceptable. I'll end on that note. I rambled on enough about that. Right. For this for this offense to be under 25, uh, 25 points a game, I think that says a lot. For this offense to be under 50% third down efficiency says a lot. 19, right? Paul. 19. Yeah. It's oh solid, solid full touchdown per average per game. Solid touchdown per game under what it should be. I honestly... For, and that's a scary thing, Ram Nation. Take a look at our offense. Apart from the injury to Kyron Williams, apart from the injury to that right guard scenario, and Dotson has played well, can we blame this on injuries, Ian? Can we blame this on injuries at Mark? No. Fairly Hell healthy no. across the offensive um, positions. Um, my boy uh, Hop- Hopkins got a catch, one for five. 
So I was happy he actually got onto the field, right? I was like, is that a Bryce Hopkins sighting? But um, I mean, other than that, man, this is our this is our offense. This is our starting O that's getting stymied. And that's the part that is so unselling. So we have to start talking now about trends and the things that we're seeing that are consistently costing games, right? And I mean, obviously, and I'll let you you two talk about the timeout scenario, but I'm going to say the trend that I see is, number one, this fourth quarter scenario where the Rams are just not playing well. Apart from that Arizona game, they're just not playing well in the fourth quarter, in the second half as a whole. And that's a re- and we've talked about that trend is going to translate directly to wins and losses, and that's what's happening. Uh, I, I think we talked about McVay uh, tendencies, but teams also know that going into the second half, they're not afraid of the Rams opening it up and throttling up and just pulling away, right? They're, you know, they know that they can keep it close. And if they keep it close, um, the sloppy play is going to result in a turnover here or, or getting the ball back, you know, time management scenarios. We saw that um, because the Ram defense did play well, except for that one that one drive where they let the Pittsburgh offense just go right down the field and run it in. But uh, other than that, I mean, you know, they did play fairly well. And so I think that's one trend. Uh, this is not really a trend, but I will go on record and saying this, uh, and this is on McVay, totally 100% and on the Rams organization. You started a player, the whole world saw it because that was a nationally televised game, right? They got the start. You, you started a player that just got arrested, right? Yeah. How many hours after your other game? I don't care what what was the reason. You that The optics of that are just wrong, number one. Okay? That's just wrong 10 different ways, right? And I, and I will go on record as saying that regardless of, you know, what anybody wants to write in the media. That's wrong 100 ways. And when I read that article, when McVeigh said, um, he, he had, and this is the part that burns me. He, he said, I had him apologize the team for being a distraction. Getting, a, getting arrested on, on two gun charges is a, is a distraction is really, is that what it has come down to? Is that the bar now that you had a player get charged? True. It turned out that he got charged with two misdemeanor gun charges, it's two gun charges for a kid that had the same scenario in college. Are you waiting for this kid to implode and ruin his life and maybe somebody else's? What are you doing? You don't start this kid on pure principle. And I can tell you, and I'm, I, don't, I'm not, I don't have a crystal ball. If that was a Tomlin scenario, scenario, this kid doesn't even see the field that game. No way. That has nothing to do with yeah, being a distraction. Yeah, he wouldn't play. McVay, what are you doing? You started that kid? And then karma comes around and who gets smoked at a crucial part of the game, right? By Pickens. And he, and he was also guilty of the uh, the 12th man on the, the field. Man. Yeah. You don't think, I mean, I don't want to, you know, hey, listen, you want to call it whatever you want to call it, but that's karma coming around smacking you in the face saying, listen, this kid's going to, you know, burn you twice. And he got hit with the 12th man penalty too. So it's like, First of all, that can't happen. And, you know, this goes back to when they won the Super Bowl and that um, that uh, that uh, celebration that turned into it looked like a frat party when everybody was drunk in public. Right. Including McVeigh and Snead. Right. And a whole bunch of players with the red solo cups that the whole world saw. Like we all, I mean, everybody knows what I'm referencing. Listen, you know, at some point this, as an organization, you got to get your act together. I think that could be a large part of what's going on. You know, you got to get your act together. You're a professional organization. There's some things you cannot do. And, you know, it's going to come back and cost you. You know, and this, and McVay, when he, I remember when McVay first got to the Rams, I used to love it. He'd talk about three phases, three phases, three phases. Right now, it's just lip service. The special teams cost the Rams. There's there the three phases are not meshing. There is no there is nothing. There is no synergy across the three phases from the seven games I have watched. 
There's a lot of peaks and valleys. It's not a cohesive three-phase game plan. Maybe there's a game plan, but the execution is not there in that type of sort of sequence with the three phases meshing, using field position to your advantage, using momentum to your advantage. Do we have it? Do we not have it? When we don't have it, do we know how to play close to the vest until we get it back? That's what we're not seeing. It's like the IQ aspect of football is what's costing the Rams. The good news is the physical aspect of football. Rams are doing fairly well. They have not been exploited like we thought that that run defense would be exploited. It has not happened. The Rams' O-line has played really, really well, been really physical on offense. The Rams' secondary has stepped up. The yeah. Ram IQ aspect is terrible right now, and that, is my opinion, is a trend that has to change. Ian, are there any trends that you are encouraged by or discouraged by? Well, I think, like I said, the amount of times we ran the ball is good, and that will set that. That is how we're going to win games: is being balanced and diversified. We're balanced. We were balanced, but we weren't diverse. That's the next step that needs. And it's it's so insane that I have to say that about a Coach McVay led offense. Be more diverse. It's just I can't believe it. So, what do you what are your thoughts, Ian and Mark? Why do you think that that trend with McVay? has become so prominent over the last two years. I just think, I, I, I think he's still a young man. I mean, he's under, what, what is he, 30? Is He's not 40 yet, correct? I mean, yeah, I want to say he's still, still. Yeah, I think he's still the youngest. Still the youngest yeah, coach I mean, in the league, yeah. You saw, he's still a young man in terms of the game of life, right? <laughs> and I think, I think last year's pressure of the running back, and he was obviously vocal about that, and we were all like, all right, who's our next coach? Because he's done, ain't he? I think that – I'm not saying that's carried over, but I think it's just been – I just think he's still going through the everyday grind of life, and I think it's intertwining with his profession slightly. And this is just off gut feeling. And I think, you know, he's got a young child on the way. He's been vocal. Yeah. If anyone watches any of the – uh Coach McVay show and respect to coach. He doesn't dodge those like uh, Lincoln Riley does for USC after a loss. <laughs> after that Utah game. Yeah. Like he, like he's been dodging, you know, all these post game things that he's signed to do. So credit to coach McVay. He's he'll talk to the media nonstop. He won't dodge anybody and he's been vocal. And, and I just think, I just think he has to keep evolving as a play caller and as a schematic offensive guy. And I think that coupled with maybe the life stuff happening, look at having a child. I, I do not have any children, but I know that's a big deal. I have best friends that do obviously cousins, family. We, we all know. And if you guys have have kids, many or one, I mean, you know, that's a, that's a big deal in the journey of life. So I think that's probably weighing on him more than we probably think. And obviously last year was the stress of running back. And I just think those two things, I think it's life. I think it's everyone catching up. Like I, like I said, I named all the teams that run this offense to a degree. It's all that coupled together. And I think he is smart enough. He is a great galvanizer. I think he could overcome it. We just got to see it. But a trend, keep running the football, McVay. But can we please run more than the same two plays? <laughs> Duo and ISO, please. There's what's guys. On there's play, What's on that play sheet? Are those fake plays that are on there? Because we I know mean, that there's like – it might, yeah, it might be just a different formation in front of it, and then the, you know, instead of instead of cup running the dagger concept, you have yeah, Puka yeah. running it, right? It's it's probably what it is, Jesus. But I mean, guys, guys, there's just so many run plays, and I know it just bothers me so bad. There's wham, which is a which is a fullback trap. There's trap where a guard pulls. There's a counter with the guard or tackle. There's GT counter where it's a guard tackle counter. There's dart, which is just a tackle uh, block. There's blast, which is ice, you know, an ISO with play. another lead. Yeah, there's a with another lead blocker. There's sweep. Everyone remembers the Packers sweep that was famous. You know, it's the two guards pulling to the outside, and then you have a bunch of guys down blocking. There's the jet sweep that we don't do anymore. There's the reverse. It's just there's so much to do that we could do and we just don't do it and it's just killing me 
but I am happy that he is running the football more. Now it's time to diversify. If we diversify this upcoming week, we have a real chance of beating Dallas 100%. We'll get to that later, but those are my my positive trends. We're running the football more. Now it's just time to expand the playbook on that. Yeah, Mark, what, what trend stands out for you, like the one trend that just sort of jumps out at you over seven games? Well, you know, I, I think um, there's there's a lot of – nothing more significant than what you guys have already called out. But, you know, I, I've just – I think field goal kicking uh, has just been killing us. And uh, I don't – the problem is, is I don't know how we fix it. You know, uh, I don't know if this new signing is really going to help it. It's almost a situation where, like I think it was Ian that said, um, let's just, you know – Punt the ball away if we if we can't convert those third downs, um, punt the ball away and let our defense go to work, make them drive the field. And, and if we had done that against Pittsburgh, we might have won this game. Um, they I think they got ten points off those two missed field goals, right? And uh, so we not only did we lose yeah. uh, potentially well seven points off the scoreboard, uh, led to ten points for them, and you know that that's that's a pretty big deal. And, yeah. and sorry to your original question. I, I was thinking about pause. I was thinking positive trends from this game. The trend that I've seen over seven games is just basically teams just figure us out. That's going back to the diverse, you know, the lack of diversity in the, in the play calling and in this offense. So that is not good. But the positive is run the football more, diversify that, and we'll be better off. But we'll see. Who knows? We know yeah. our we know yep. we, we know our play caller is stubborn in his ways, and so are many many coaches around the league. So we'll see. And you know what's really great when you look at when you you know I'm not a big stats guy. I always say that if, if it do, you know if you can't see it with the naked eye, what are stats going to tell you, right? But think about it. So I even though you look at the quarterback rating, it's not where it needs to be, and it's, this is a trend. Is that staff those staffs playing good football? He's playing good football, right? He is. He's averaging what was it? It's like 270 yards a game. Right, the touchdown numbers are yep. not like eye popping, and that's for. I think that's more a matter of efficiency. I think that needs to be the focal point moving forward. Is let's Stafford is a great quarterback. His accuracy is uncanny. And shout out to Staff for picking up that first down when he ran the ball. And he, he must have heard me, Paul. I, I called him a slow poke the last episode, and he was like, I'll he show that good. guy. <laughs> but, and then when he's there on the sideline with the finger roll, I was like, Staff, do, don't get those linebackers pissed off because the next time they're going to catch you and they're going to hurt you, right? But the finger roll was good. There's a little bit of swag out there from the old man. But, you know, guys averaging 270 yards a game. Listen, Stafford could light, light the scoreboard up like a, like a pinball machine. Yeah. Right, but you got to get your act together. I mean, there's no excuse with the firepower that's on the field. And that was the season plan for the Rams, right? They knew that. They said, "Listen, we could take a we could take a hit on the defensive side of the ball. We could lose a couple of players here and there, right? We're gonna cut the salary cap, whatever it was, because we're gonna light it up, right? But they haven't been lighting it up, and now it's catching up. Teams are sticking around. So, game seven, time to you know reset." you know, the schema, the mindset and say, listen, we haven't been lining it up. We got to create some separation between ourselves and the teams that we are playing in the game. You know, let's get from, like Ian said, from 19 points a game, we got to be like somewhere 26 and change, 25 and change on a regular basis. And the way the defense has been doing work, you know, listen, fourth quarter, not stellar for that defense, but they came up big, a terrible spot. You know, I don't even know how that happens when you got the, the the ref and the line judge looking directly down the line of scrimmage, and how do you blow that call? But you know, once again, game management, no timeouts, came back to haunt you. Um, but you know, that should be really the trend moving forward, trying to increase the efficiency of this offense because that's really what it is. This needs to become a more efficient offense. We said that last week. It came out to play again, and I think teams know that. They're like, listen, we don't got to stop them on every drive, but we know that at some point they're not going to go down the field three, four, five times in a row. Okay. That's the difference. So we're, we're at 51 minutes. Um, we have the Cowboys game coming up. Rams traveling to Dallas. Aside okay. from running the ball more, 
and diversifying the play calling in the run game in the pass game. What do we need to do to beat the Cowboys? They got a really good defense. I'm not really that impressed with Dak Prescott. They got CD Lamb. Mm-hmm. They got Brandon Cooks now. Uh, what, Ian? What are your thoughts? What do we need to do? What are our What are our chances of uh, beating these Cowboys? Like I said earlier, if we keep the Dallas defense guessing as best as possible, we have a real chance. And look, they're in the bottom half of the league in terms of stopping the run. They're not terrible like Pittsburgh was or some other teams that we will face in the future. But they're definitely not in the top 16. They're actually right at 17 ranked right now. So they're they're flawed. And they're not perfect. Michael Parsons isn't a maniac this year. He's still really great, but he's been neutralized by some. And it's possible. Obviously, Diggs being out for the year helps our cause. Gilmore's still playing really good, but they're they're flawed on defense. They give up yards. They get gashed in the run if you're consistent with it. And then on the other side, our defense against theirs is, can we stop the run game? If we can stop Tony Pollard in their rushing game and we have to make Dak throw it to win the game, we have a serious chance of winning. Because think about it, guys. Think about all the Dallas games you've maybe seen in highlights, you've heard of, because I know they're all over the news and media, and it's annoying, but, you know, hey. It's when Dak Prescott has to throw the ball to play to save the game. Bad things happen more times than not. They don't get it done. You know, Mike McCarthy wanted to take over play calling, but it hasn't been any better when they had Kellen Moore. (laughs) It's been worse. It's been obviously worse. And I think... Their simplicity, you know, simplicity on on their offensive play calling is beneficial for us on defense. So that's it. Really comes down to everyone's run game. Can we run the ball with more efficiency and more diversity on them? Can we stop theirs? And if those two things happen, we should have a great chance to win the game. It's really that simple, honestly. What do you think, Paul? Yes, uh, same. I, I think you got to put the game in Prescott's hands, right? I think you got to clamp down the run. Um, you know, we, you know, I said it last week in the Steeler game. I said, listen, they could put, they could run anybody they want out there. If you stop Pickens, you stop this offense, right? It's going to yeah. be the same thing. If you stop Lamb, you stop this offense. It's that simple, right? I mean, Pollard's a dangerous back. If you sleep on this offense, they're going to put points up on you. They've been putting up points, mm-hmm. right? They're also not a high-efficient offense, but they're putting up points. So if you sleep on this offense, yeah, they're going to surprise you. And I agree. I think the defense, it's it's a fairly decent defense, but uh, I think the Rams can exploit them. And I think, you know, once again, you know, going back to what the Rams do well, they have to be able to, number one, control the clock. They got to keep the ball away from Dallas, right? They have to – the T.O.P. for me is the stat for the season. Ram Nation, watch the T.O.P. We need a 10-minute-plus differential in T.O.P. We win any game against any team. If that happens, we're going to win the game, right? That's what it's going to come down to. A lot of first downs, high volume, run a lot of plays, let Stafford, you know, hold the ball. It's like a, it's like a great scorer in basketball. Touches. It's all about touches. The more Stafford touches the ball, the more points this team is going to score. And that includes handing the ball off. That's what I mean. Keep put keep the offense on the field, and they are going to score points. So T.O.P. Yeah. for me, I think definitely the Rams could dominate. But they got to run the ball. As good as Hendo looked, he was averaging three yards a rush, right? There, Hendo has the same issue when he was a starter for the Rams. Watch him. He run, he, he's, the vision is not there. The patience is not there. He runs up the back of offensive linemen all the time. The 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 opportunities for big runs are there. He doesn't see them. He just doesn't, right? Um, I think Freeman should get the bulk of the touches. Uh, Freeman also did better in pass protection. That stood out to me, right? We said that last game. Hey, and real quick, Paul, that. ironically, Royce Freeman was the highest-grade running back this past week in all the NFL. There you go. By PFF, well, which is well, – that's a cool start shocker. up the Royce, baby. Let's go. Rams Rams can get 200 yards rushing on the ground in this game. I'm telling you, they can be up there like 180. I think we could as well, man. Easily, easy. Win this game black and blue. I'm telling you, it's going to feed into the next game. It's going to bleed into the next game. I bet you in that locker room, if you interviewed that O line 
and you you asked them, what would you change about that Steeler game? They said, we should have took it at them the entire second half. We had them. We had them. We let them off the hook. And it's going to be the same thing for this Dallas game. Smash Dallas early, run the ball down their throat, and then call your play action and and throw those passes downfield, man. Listen, they can't cover Puka. He can't cover Coop. They can't. It can't happen. It's not going to happen. No one can run with Tutu. That's why it's just. That's why we're. That's why I'm in a bad mood. This whole podcast, everybody, (laughs) (laughs) with the offense. But it's. But yeah, I just. I just think the Rams have to go into this game thinking this is a must win. Just like I said, it was a couple weeks ago with the Cardinal game. Now that we've dropped the Steelers, we have to win a game that no one's gonna. No one's gonna believe we're gonna win in, and this is one of those games because we can't. We can't go in to the bye three, four wins. We can't. Yeah. Any hope of playoffs are done. Any hope of, of, the of, of any really trades happening, season. right? Any yeah. for anybody out there. It's just it's it's over if we drop this game or the Packer game. It, it really is. We have to win. I'll say we'll have to win this game and then next week will be the same. But we this is a must win game. We look bad and we get smoked or we lose it's the season's over and this is just another the rest of the year will be an audition year for everybody right who's going to yeah. stick around for 2024 and we have an idea of who that's going to be but you know that that's what it'll turn into unfortunately so rams gotta the players gotta go into it thinking like this is a playoff game they have to before the bye this game and the packer game which are extremely winnable because guys us losing dropped us to the ninth seed we were the seventh we were locked in at the seventh seed going into uh sunday and we screwed it up now we're the ninth and we would have been but one game behind the niners yeah and we yeah one game behind still in you know fighting for the west and look at it if we win this game we'll have a tiebreaker over dallas yeah if we yeah. beat seattle in a month we'll have the, the full tiebreaker over them we'll tiebreaker we, yeah. within the division and, then we, yeah. you know, and it's just these games matter so much because we've dropped other games so if we Mark do and everything Ian, we Mark said, and Ian are tired of me saying it, but it's got to be so fine, do or die. Rams got to start winning home games. Oh. You got to win at home. You cannot keep playing your worst football at home. Mark it's, is yeah. tired of hearing me say this. I'm a big home field advantage guy. Listen, you got to start winning games at home. You can't keep playing horrible at home. It's just – and to that point real quick, and everyone knows who's been tuning in that I've been going to games uh, – Against the national power fan bases, Steelers, it was another 70-30. We got outnumbered. Obviously, was it really Eagles, that bad? It, it, it was probably equally as unenjoyable as the Eagle game. You know, <laughs> it, it's be, it's been better than in past seasons, but it's still not close to 50-50, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, we, and, we, and I've talked in length about the nuance of that whole situation and, you know, how how nice that you know season ticket members and I'm not one of them, but got the letter recently about how prices for those were going to jump up a couple more hundred dollars, Jesus. But anywho, uh, yeah. And luckily, going forward, we've gotten those mega disadvantages with home crowd out of the way. I think. Well, there'll be some Cleveland fan- fans, yeah. Well, there'll be some Seahawks fans, yeah. Well, there'll be some Saints and whoever else we play at home, come you know, Washington. There'll be people, but we'll outweigh them severely in those games. I know we will. We've played them in the past, and it's been that way. So luckily, we've gotten those out of the way, and now we can start hearing Turbo Set a little bit more at home games. That's so Turbo funny. Set, right? Right, because everything's Mark, Mark doesn't care about prices going up. Mark's, you know, for those of you in Ram Nation, Mark's got a luxury box. <laughs> yeah. He's hanging out with uh, the rapper Blueface. Yeah, I, you know. <laughs> I need to get myself a press pass so I can uh, record uh, on the field after the game. That'll get me yeah. there. I'll say the one thing I want to say about the Rams so far, and and that I'm hoping I see more of. And this is kind of a kind of what you hear from your typical, you know, on the street fan. We just haven't had a lot of bounces go our way, splash plays on defense, tipped passes, balls on the True. ground. And, and it would just be nice to see. I mean, Witherspoon's had a couple of interceptions. But aside from that, you know, I remember last year, Kobe Durant uh, had, a, had a pick six and almost another one. Plays like that. And, and it seems like there's been a, a lot of times where we've been close. And, and I think hopefully it'll be even out by the end of the year. And, and maybe 
who else, uh, who better to have a play like that than against Dak Prescott? Maybe a, a pick yeah. six. And, and a, Mark, we, we, we should have had one this past game. Yeah, that's right. The one where Roseboom got his hand on the pass to the tight end, and it was obviously a bad bad throw by Pickett. It, was hung, it hung in the air for a while, and Kobe Durant just didn't get his head around in time, and he could have snagged that. It wouldn't well, have been some easy, you know, in the bread basket catch, but he could have. He's athletic enough to have whipped around and gotten that thing, and we just got unlucky yeah. like you said so. and i feel like there's been a lot of yeah. those this year and um and those are such big plays i mean the the interception against the cardinals really that, that was a game changer and yeah, tj watts interception against us was a game changer and we haven't had enough yeah. of those go our way so uh we can only hope a any last words on this um uh, on the cowboy ram game specifically or anything else you guys wanted to talk about Blue and soul, think black and blue for the rest of the season. This is a physical, physical O-line. The defense is starting to step up a little bit more. I like, you know, Hoyt had two sacks, right? Monster zero. I mean, uh, every now and then he's, he's looking good. Um, listen, think black and blue. The physicality of this team for 60 minutes can carry it to some wins. Think full 60, bring it every play, get back to that mindset. The talent level will take care of itself, right? And that's on both sides of the ball. How about you, right? Ian? The Rams have enough talent. How about you, Ian? I agree, Paul. That's I like that saying. That's good. <laughs> Royal and Saul think black and blue. I like that. That's good. I got to throw that on a t-shirt. Shit. But uh, <laughs> but uh, no, it's it's di diversity on offense. I think if we, like I've said, if we're diverse with looks, marrying the run in the pass, we can beat Dallas. Because they are yeah. flawed. It's really that simple. And gosh, I hope we win. I got a lot of friends that are Cowboys fans, and that's just going to bother me all year about yeah. that bragging right over, over <laughs> us. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But that, it's really that simple. Because I think defense will, will hang in there like they have been. Who would have thought, gentlemen, that the offense would be taking a, taking a piss and the defense would be the ones keeping us in games. We all thought it would be the complete total 180. Absolutely, it's crazy. Yeah, thought we were, thought our offense is going to have to put up 35. Okay, guys. Hey, thanks for your time again. This has been a real good discussion. Um, we'll get this pod posted for everybody, and uh, go Rams. Well, hopefully, we'll be talking next week, and uh, we'll be in a better mood. Yeah, that's right. The Rams will be dancing on the star. Hopefully, yeah. all right. Yeah, give me a give me a popcorn uh, Terrell Owens moment, somebody oh, from the Rams. <laughs> All right, double barrel Ram horns. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot, you guys. Peace. That's gonna do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget about our YouTube channel. Our handle is at laramsup.com. Till next time, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there.